Welcome back. This is Dr. Heidi. This is the It's Not Normal, It's Toxic podcast. My mission is to provide hope, healing, and freedom to those whose lives have been affected by toxic relationships and emotional abuse. Today on the podcast, you might hear a little background noise. That's because we are in the car. Um, This was a spontaneous podcast that I was inspired to do. Uh, last night while I was um, trying to go to sleep, and I'll explain that in a little bit. But I have with me Melissa, who is um, on my coaching team, and some of you would have heard her on the podcast we did a couple weeks ago with Meet the Team. So, hi Melissa, welcome. Hello, it's good to be back. I say welcome, not that you have a choice, you're trapped in a car with me. Um, We are actually on our way back from Ohio right now to St. Louis and the reason we went to Ohio is because that is where Melissa is from and I got to see uh, her life a little bit uh, more in person than just hearing her talk about it and it was it was interesting very nice farming community seemed a very very peaceful place to grow up Um, during the last two days with Melissa I learned a lot more about her upbringing and that is what inspired the podcast and I will tell you, Melissa, the more I, time I spent there, the more thankful I am for your grandpa and grandma. Um, after the two days with Melissa, we hung out with um, grandma and we took her shopping. And of course, we took her out to eat and we might have shared a margarita with her. But I got a huge dose of what it really was that Melissa had to overcome in her younger life. And last night, as I threw all my stuff in my suitcase, because I knew we were leaving early, I crawled under Grammy's quilt to go to sleep, and I was just going through, it was either Instagram or Facebook, something that I was trying to make myself tired and fall asleep. And I saw a meme that actually was what inspired me to talk her into doing this podcast on the way home, but the meme said, being raised by a toxic mother has a greater psychological impact on a child than being raised with an absent father. And the reason this was such an impact on me is because Melissa actually had both of those. So when I was reading the meme, I thought, oh my goodness, they're comparing one to the other, and Melissa actually had both. So um, I asked if Melissa if she would share. You guys, I'm getting tears in my eyes just talking about this, so I hope I can make it through the podcast. I asked Melissa if she would share a little bit about her upbringing on the way home, and so that's what we're going to do. So, Melissa, I know the reason that we went to Ohio this weekend, and it was basically so that you could see your grandparents before winter, Um, but why is it that we traveled eight hours, and we went to see your pops and Omi, and we did not go to see your parents like your normal average family does, especially since they still live in the same town as your grandpa and grandma. Right. Well, as you said before, um, I actually spent a lot of time with my grandparents growing up, but then when I was 13, I actually went to live with them, and you know they, they raised me more or less. But um, my mom is very much what we would call ignoring narcissist. So... is just basically, as you know, uh, just what it says. She's, she's very, she wasn't very engaging. So whenever, when it was convenient for her, I guess. Or when it got her attention. When it got her attention or convenience or whatever she was, she was a parent. But other 
other than that, she was very hands-off. And my grandparents were always um, my my go-to, or you know, the two people that made me feel loved and and you know gave me direction, basically. So, tell me, how do you feel that your mom being toxic um, at the time you were, you know? Youth, preteen and teen, how do you feel like um, your mom's behavior affected your life then when you were growing up? I think it's like anybody that has dealt with a toxic person or a narcissistic person. There's a lot of emotion that goes into it. Um, she was very, you couldn't please her. There was a lot of criticism. Like I said, when it was convenient for her, she was a mother, but the rest of the time, it was almost like you were a burden. She didn't want to be bothered. I actually um, spent a lot of time with my grandparents. My brother and I had a day during the week, and then every Friday through Sunday, we were with them. And every holiday, every birthday, every... She just... There was a lot of... I just felt very unwanted, or there was always a problem, or... So did you feel more like... Um, if you were catering to her and what she wanted, things went well? Oh, yes, definitely. That, absolutely. I think that is a big one. As long as you're being perfect the way that you want you to be, then you're okay. But if you start to have thoughts on your own and you challenge any of that, then that is when, you know, the, the ugly comes out. Right. Yeah. And probably the older you got, the more you start questioning her. Absolutely. And now, I have to say, from a very young age, I always thought, you know, there is something not right here. And I think that was always something that she she caught on to. Because I can remember being four, five, six, seven, and being like, okay, you know, like this cannot be normal. But um, but you didn't I, know any different. And, but I didn't know any different. And when you're that young, what can you do anyway? You just think, okay, it's, it's my mom. But as you get older, you start to realize... And so, like, when you were in school and started sports and stuff, was she very involved in that kind of thing? She was not. Now, my grandparents would travel 30 miles, um, or and often other places, too. They would always, every sporting event, every band concert, every choral concert, any activity at school, it was always my grandparents who showed up. My mom was hit or miss, but she, there was always one game one event that I knew she was going to be at and that was always parents night and I always had such struggle because there sat my grandparents or my grandmother who you know really is the one who should have that rose or walk across because they were supporting you they were supporting me they were always there they were the ones that would travel to go see you know anything that I was doing and they always took the high road you know my grandmother was always no, just walk across with your mom because we don't want to create a scene. Or, you know, everyone that's sitting here is here at every game and they know what's going on. You know, she never felt the need to be. So she would show up at things when, when she could claim the attention. Absolutely. Or... Well, of course, all eyes are on her. Right. And I'm making her look good. So, of course, she's going to show up because she wants credit for that. What, wants credit for being the best mom. Right. Right. Well, um, you were just telling me earlier on the trip that at, it was about age 13 that your life actually changed. Yes. Tell us about that a little bit. So, at age 13, I actually... Um, well, your brother had moved. Yes. So, I have an older brother who actually 
a little back background. I think we got to do background okay. a little bit to understand. So, my mother was married once before she married my father, and she had one one child from that marriage. So I have an older half brother who is four years older than me. Um, you know, divorced. She got married again to my father. Uh, had me divorced. So I had grown up with my mother with my my half brother, and when I was thirteen and he had just turned 18, he actually left. Now, Heidi was asking, oh, why did, you know, what happened there, why did he stay so long, da 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 He is actually no relation to my grandparents, but no blood relation. So when he turned 18, legally, he could go wherever he wanted, but he had to wait because he didn't have any anybody on the other side of the family that he felt that he could go to. So when my brother turned 18 in December, of my 13th year, he went to live with, with my grandparents. So that's that. So then when I was 13, um, so it was just me and my mom. And I think I was at school and it was after school that I had practice and she never showed up to, to pick me up from practice. So I got a hold of my brother. And back in those days, there were no cell phones. So I know I had to track him down <laughs> and I did. And already got in there and so told she her had side already of the got story. in there and so uh, and anybody again you feel helpless kind of like despair you're like oh I am never gonna get out of this so we had to go to court and this time we had 
had to go talk to the court-appointed, probably the child representative. The child representative, maybe. But he was also the guy that if he reported back to the judge. But he was also the guy that if you were sent to juvenile uh, or juvie, he would be the one that checks on you or, or whatever. So anyway, we show up, and again, my mom is there, and this time she's got you know, a bunch of my awards and my great cards and, you know, all this and that. To show what a great mom she to is. To show, yeah, absolutely, you know. So and anyway. The, yeah, and the problem is you. And the problem is me. Absolutely. So again, you go in and you feel, oh boy, here we go. So I just sat there. And finally, after about 15 minutes, he looked at me and he said, well, is there anything that you have to say? And at this point, I just said, you know, can I speak with you alone? And he, you know, absolutely, you may. So anyway, my mother left the room, and I just started crying, 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 crying. And his name, I don't know if I can say his name, but this particular person, he, you know, just put his hand across the, across the desk, and he just said, I knew the moment your mother started speaking and started going on and on and on that she was the problem and not you. So... It was the first time after all those years that I had a little glimmer of hope, I guess. Exactly. You know, like, oh my gosh, somebody is finally going to listen to me. So he said to me, he goes, and I've told Heidi this before, but I said there's, he told me, he said, well, there's three kinds of abuse. Of course, there's sexual, which I'm sure you don't have. There's physical, which I'm sure that you have had your, that you've had. And then there's emotional. And it is clear to me that you have severe emotional abuse. And I absolutely refuse to send you back to your mother. So that was that. And he goes, if this goes to court, then that will be my recommendation is that you go and live with your grandparents. So great, you know, fine. And since then it was, so I lived with my grandparents. My mother never challenged it because I think she knew that it was like a show in her favor. Yeah, and she didn't want to be labeled right. as any type of abuser. Right. Now, the thing that is interesting is I would like to take a, a minute to talk about these grandparents that you keep yes. hearing us talk about. Um, so at the very beginning, I was reading that uh, meme that I read last night about um, growing up with a toxic mother is more detrimental on the psyche of... That was a diesel truck that went past in the middle of the podcast because you know we're in the car. Sorry about that. Um, but a child that grows up with a abusive, emotionally abusive mother has more psychological damage than somebody who grows up with an absent father. Okay, so you have already assumed, because we've talked about that, that Melissa also grew up with an absent father. Okay, so the grandfather and grandmother that we're talking so highly of, most of you, I'm sure, are assuming that this is the parents of her mother. Um, I will tell you... This is not the parents of her mother. This is the parents of her dad who basically, for lack of a better term, pretty much disowned Melissa the day she was born. So, in my opinion, this couple was put in Melissa and her brother's life to basically save their life. That was the only normal these two have ever seen. So, she was allowed to go live with them who were not even related to her mom. It was from her dad who now to this day, um, Melissa still has no contact with him, correct? None. Yeah. And you see him at family reunions. Yeah, and so, 
so this is the kicker. So growing up, um, since day one, he I don't think that I have spoken 10 words to my father my whole life. Um, yeah, so it is my, my dad's parents that raised me. They always, you know, they didn't like it. Not at all. And didn't approve of and his actions. And did not actions. approve. Yeah, never liked it, never approved, never, and was very vocal about it. Um, so, like I said, my parents were married, but I was always told that they were married long enough just to create me. But, um, but according to your dad. But according to my dad. So the story, a little bit of the story is that, unfortunately, my parents were split up and my father was seeing somebody else. And that is when my mother found out that she was pregnant with me. Well told the person that he was seeing that there was no way that the child could be his because they hadn't been together. So um, so it was one lie that just you have to tell another lie to carry on another lie and carry on another lie. Now, so since day one, he's never... So four decades later. Four de yeah, four decades later, he still to this day does not admit that I am his. Now, he paid child support and... I would see him at every holiday, every reunion, you know, whenever the family got together, but we never spoke. It just, we're not engaging. Right. So to a lot of people, it's like, boy, that's really weird. But to me, it's just how it's always been. Right. right. So, and I always tell people, you know, when they say that, I say, well, in one way, you, you can't really miss something that you never had. And I, I guess I was just so lucky to have my grandparents that at, at some point I never felt that I really lacked in having a father. Right. My grandfather was always, you know, he he wasn't the, the overly affectionate type, but he was more of the words of, you know, I love you more than he ever could, so you don't really need him. He is my son, but he has disappointed me. Now, when I say this, a lot of times you automatically think, oh, like a deadbeat or a appropriate word what to say but you know my father was very he was sheriff then he worked at the prosecuting attorney's office and you know so these are people that a lot of people with know, a lot of stature with a lot of stature yeah. and people know him so it wasn't like he couldn't afford it or, or you know whatever which he just which it's funny because we talk about that and how the emotional abuse is not discriminatory right. against class or gender or you know all of that. Um, okay, I need to go back to Grandpa and Grandma really quick because this, I this I can't get over this. I repeat this every time. So Melissa mentioned her half brother. Um, they also finished raising her half brother, who was not related to them at all. And that actually, Omi and Papa's places where you and your brother both call home, and yes, and yeah, your brother absolutely. has no blood relation, and that's the only home he's ever known. So hats off to Grandpa and Grandma, who are 93 and 96 now. We visited Grandpa in the um, in the nursing home yesterday, and Melissa got to sit with him for a while. And then Omi, she's 93, and we can't keep up with her. She yeah, hauled she, us all over the place. Ago. Um, but so that's why I think this story is ridiculous, because once you know Melissa and, and try to put her past with who you see her as now... They kind of don't fit. So it's a huge, it's a huge story of um, overcoming. 
And so, Melissa, I guess, you know, if you had to give advice to anybody, I know that I have a lot of people that have messaged in and wanting information on being raised by narcissistic parents or having to deal with toxic parents. And I personally don't have um, experience with that. My my kids do, but I I don't. So if you had any advice to give people who are struggling with this type, even if it was long in their past, what types of things would you would you like to tell people? Well, I think that this could be a difficult question for me anyway to answer. I I guess I just think that you you have to realize that you're not defined by your past and or other people or other people in your past and you have to be mentally strong. One of the greatest things I think that my grandparents done for me was they never let me be a victim. They were always very they called me May and they would say, "You know May, I don't like it. I don't agree with it, but this is life. Life is not always fair. So, we're going to teach you how to live your life. You're not defined by your father, you're not defined by your mother. You don't need to be them. At some point in your life, you you don't owe them anything. You can be respectful, but you don't owe them anything. So, and I think sometimes when they're your parents, you you feel, just automatically think you have you to. You feel obligated. You oh, well, it's my obligated. mom. Well, it's my dad. Yeah. And yeah, so that and, and that's a big one. They were never ones to say, "Oh, yeah, you have to put up with it because that's just your mom. That's just the way it is." That was they were always, "No, that's not right." And you know, you got to learn to to deal with it, learn how to live with it, or not live with it, but to live get around past it. it. Live past yeah. it. Yes, live through you. it. Live through it. Um, and then the other thing I I know that when I was in my situations, there there was days that I was just like, I am never gonna, I am totally stuck. This is absolutely my life for the rest of my life. Was there any days that you felt like giving up and just? No. Now this is so. I get a little emotional sometimes. So this is one that I never felt that I had to give up. And again, they never let me feel sorry for myself. You know, they were like, it's okay to feel sad and it's okay to have the feelings that you have, but it, you know, but you got to move past it. So I get emotional because I always thought, you know, I, I didn't have the best childhood and it was very hard. But the one thing that I've always been grateful for are the fact that, that I did get my grandparents. So I feel that for as much as I had, the good Lord did me a favor to give me two very strong people to love me. Right, and great role models, and their and relationship absolutely great was role great. Models. Yeah, my grandparents have been married for seventy-seven years. Very strong, very. I, I don't know. I've just I've always felt that I've been very very lucky. They they were exactly who I needed in my life at the time you needed at the time yeah. that I needed. So that is a little bit about Melissa. She is on the team, like I said, and when you catch her at a conference or you catch her at a retreat or you can get a hold of her at Coaching with Dr. Heidi, that is what she has some um, background ex experience in that I don't. So if you're needing to talk to her or you want to message her or whatever, uh, message in or email in and you can ask her some questions. I'll get her on that and have her, um, you know, let, let you know what she thinks about that. But again, I'm sorry if this um, recording is not as clear as most of them. We just decided, hey, we're in the car for eight hours. And what I just saw for the last two days was way too amazing not to share with our listeners. So 
Um, again, we are on our way back from Ohio, and we've been listening to John Denver's Country Road Take Me Home while we were listening to that on the way there because she was going home. And so that's what we're going to name the podcast. It's going to be called um, Country Road Take Me Home. And again, I appreciate you listening. Go ahead. This may spur some questions. So if you have any, go ahead and message them in to me. And we appreciate all the listeners, and we will be talking to you soon.